This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBS participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as March 30th, 2020. All right. Thank you, folks. Uh, my name is Evan, and a few days ago, my brother, Darren Leong, who's a very famous employment attorney in town, who runs <laughs> Darren Leong, I guess, employment law. I don't even know the name. Stacey um, Katakura, who is the CEO of Accumulus, which is outsourced CFO and um, accounting um, firm. And then Jane Sawyer, who runs our SBA. She's our savior. And this is our kind of update. So what we're trying to do here is we know that all of the information changes almost like on an hourly basis is keep up to date with uh, more um, consistent and relevant info, even if the info is just we don't have that info yet. Um, what we're trying to do is see how we can reduce the unemployment numbers, see what we can do to get the financing for businesses out there and help save this situation. There have been some technical issues in regards to the um, emails and stuff going out, but we'll get that squared away. This is being recorded, so we will post that after this, um, and then we will we'll get more questions and stuff going. But without further ado of me talking, I want to just introduce in Jane Sawyer, who is our district director for SBA over here. I've known her for, what, over 15 years, but the same, and Please help us. What, what do we have? <laughs> yeah, please don't tell them how long we've been around here, you know, but um, thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, we did want to get out information about what some of these programs that will be rolled out under the CARES uh, Act really will do for you and what they can mean. Right now, we're waiting for a lot of details on that, but it's time to get prepared and really look at what you need to do to take advantage of this whole array of programs that are coming down. Um, in the last couple of weeks, even before this act, SBA did launch some information about economic injury disaster loans. And these loans do continue to be a component in your recovery plan in helping small businesses um, get back on their feet, sustain them through this pandemic, and also help them get employees back. So that program, if you've applied and we've got you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of applications have come through and some of the changes that came about on Friday do not disqualify you or kick you out for qualifying for some of these benefits. So economic injury disaster loans are a program that has been around for years to help small businesses who are suffering and can no longer meet their expenses because of some kind of economic downturn it is beyond their control or influence. So if you put in an economic injury disaster loan, that's not a bad thing at this point in time. But we do have an expanded group of programs that will be rolled out based on this congressional action in the coming weeks. So um, what we need to do now is give you the information of how it may impact you and what you can do to prepare for the applications that should be coming up, for example, for the PPP the payroll protection plan that's come rolling out later, possibly the beginning of next week. Um, but uh, I think that Darren and Stacey are gonna help you with a lot of information to position yourself, get the data ready, so that apply through your bank here in Hawaii that you'll be set and ready, ready to go. Um, 
The, the new act has really been a game changer with everything that's been done so far. But we really want to reinstate the employees and we want to really help small businesses have resources they need to sustain themselves over the next several months till we get back to uh, you know, an economic recovery. We've looked at expanding eligibility for small business owners. We've streamlined the application. So if you have submitted an application through the uh, IDLE SBA portal, there's going to be more for you to do and a much faster, more efficient process. We've added to that platform, so those of you who had trouble getting in touch or the hours were too limited, it's really grown right now. If you've already submitted that application, we should have someone from SBA following up with you to let you know if you could be reconsidered, you could renegotiate that, and also if you want to take advantage of the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Advance Program. So these are all things that can, can change how you package all of these together. You're going to hear more on the details of what, what is covered you know, for your employees, what's covered for your business, and, and your costs, and how to make that application. So debt forgiveness is also one of the things that has been added by the CARES Act, and we'll be talking more and more about that as these applications become available. Um, some of the things a lot of people have said, oh my goodness, you know, when are we going to get these? This is new. We're drafting and creating these, this loan program, the PPP, right now. So we're hoping, again, that we'll have the rules, we'll have guidelines, we'll have the forms out over the next week so you can make that application. And I think Darren is going to cover some more of the, those details like the loan limits, um, some of the data or information that you might need for your application. But again, eligibility has opened up to include most small businesses, uh, independent contractors, gig economy workers, self-employed, and even a wider variety and range of nonprofit organizations who also need assistance to get through this time period and then to continue the work that they're able to do in the community. Um, I think one, we have a new website to get into and look at what the economic injury advance and the economic injury disaster loan applications and that is at covid19relief.sba.gov, covid19relief.sba.gov. And if you've been into that uh, website before and had trouble, I think you're going to see an amazing difference in going and looking for the information that you need there now. Um, there are still different ways to submit the application, but I think this will be faster since they've opened up this new platform. And I think they've expanded it like, you know, um, almost a hundredfold in what the website can handle. If we've created some public-private partnerships to help make this happen under contract with SBA. So um, we're looking at a much faster, more efficient uh, product going forward. And it is the hope that by Friday we'll have a little more information to tell you how to apply for that uh, payroll protection plan. And I think maybe, you know, we could move on so we could get to some of the burning questions and information that Darren and Stacy might be able to help us with. Right, thanks. Okay? So uh, this is Darren. Um, uh, in terms of options for employers, I try to think of it as what are the things that we can do with employees? What are our primary options? And if you're trying to 
break it down into a, a simple decision tree as possible, then I would say there's three main paths that you can go down. The first path is the preferable one for all of us, uh, if it's possible, which is to retain our employees or if they're uh, already laid off to bring them back to work. And so there's a, a series of, uh, of provisions in the new law that help you do that. The first is um, what Jane described as EIDL, the disaster loans, um, and, and Stacy is going to cover that. And the second, which is probably the biggest piece of the entire legislation that came out on Friday, is the PPP or Payroll Protection Program. So with respect to the Payroll Protection Program, um, if in its simplest form, it is the federal government committing to businesses, uh, most businesses under 500 employees, that it will cover two and a half months or two months of payroll um, and carry employers through this time. Now, there are specific provisions that relate to it. So in this webinar, we're going to go through the most uh, sort of simplified version of it. We also have written materials or a written outline, which will be uh, posted so that there's a link where you can go to. Uh, we have a memo that goes into greater detail on what the requirements of PPP are and what the benefits are. And then for very specific questions, then uh, you'll need to reach out to your accountant or your lawyer or shoot questions to us and we'll answer them as best as we can. So. Uh, who is eligible for a payroll protection program loan? Um, it is open to businesses under 500 employees uh, and also open to 501c3s or nonprofit organizations under the 501c3 status. It's also available to self-employed individuals and independent contractors. Uh, there is an exception also for some businesses in the hospitality industry to go over 500 employees total if the physical location has 500 or less employees. So the idea I think that Congress had in passing this is to try and cover a ton of businesses um, to make it available for those businesses. There's $350 billion that's committed to this PPP program. Um, the next question is, what is the maximum amount that I can get under the PPP? Uh, and so that is 2.5 times your average monthly payroll for the prior year. So if you break that down, you're essentially talking about two and a half months of what your average prior payroll was. That's the maximum amount of what you can get under this loan slash grant provision. Um, next question then is, after you get this money, what can you use it for? Um, and so you can use the PPP funds, once you have them, for payroll and commissions, uh, essentially to carry your payroll. The second biggest thing you can use it for is rent. Um, and then you can also use it for utilities, uh, group health insurance, mortgage interest, so not mortgage payments, but mortgage interest, um, and other interests or pre-existing debt obligations that uh, existed beforehand. Um, 
it's applicable to those type of expenditures prior to June 30th of this year. So the intention of Congress is to provide this money for small businesses to carry you through this time, essentially through the first half of the year. Um, and hopefully on the back half of that, then we'll be on the downside of this crisis and everyone can, can start getting back to work. Um, the next big question is how much of this loan can be forgiven? So essentially, can I turn the entire loan grant free money from the federal government? The answer is if you meet certain conditions, yes. The two main conditions that need to be met are you have to maintain the number of employees, excuse me, the average number of employees that you were previously carrying, so pr prior to all of this happening. And if you maintain that average number of employees um, through the eight-week period that follows when you get the loan, and you keep them at at least 75% of their pay, subject to a couple of exceptions, but generally speaking, so at least 75 to 100% of their pay, then the entire amount of the PPP is forgivable, meaning that it turns essentially into a grant at that point. Um, there are specific formulas on how to measure the average number of, of employees that you had previously. There's actually uh, a formula that provides two different timeframes of when an employer can measure that. Um, and you can choose which one. So one measures it at the beginning of 2020 and the other one measures it uh, at a uh, time period in 2019 in terms of how many uh, employees you had uh, on average. Um, so, uh, your second option, right, if, if you cannot uh, or it doesn't make sense to do a PPP or a uh, disaster loan uh, would be to put employees on a furlough or leave of absence. A lot of employers right now are keeping people on uh, health insurance but having them on leave. Um, in order to do that, many uh, employers will be subject to the Families First uh, law that was passed a few weeks ago. So uh, if you are keeping employees, um, even if they're, they're not actively working, or uh, on, you're trying to put them on some kind of leave, um, the Family First law requires a paid sick leave uh, under certain conditions to those employees. That paid sick leave, if applied correctly, is fully reimbursable by the federal government. So this is another way in which the government has essentially committed to um, carrying some of employers' costs during this time period. Um, the biggest piece, I think, in, in our view of when paid sick leave will apply um, is paid sick leave that applies to a parent caring for a child whose school or place of care is closed um, because that provides up to 12 total weeks. It's two weeks of sick leave followed by another 10 weeks on top of that. Um, that requires 
uh, two-thirds pay of 12 weeks of paid sick leave to that employee if they have to care for a child uh, whose school is closed or um, place of care is, is unavailable. So um, if that uh, provision applies to you and you have to pay out that two-thirds of paid leave, then you can take a tax credit for the full amount of that and get reimbursed by it, uh, reimbursed for it, excuse me, by the federal government. Um, and Stacy can, can talk about uh, some of the logistics of how to tap into those tax credits. Um, the third option is uh, one that unfortunately has, uh, has already taken hold to a great degree but Congress has provided a very, very big relief here, and that's the unemployment option. So if employees are laid off and they have to collect um, unemployment, Congress added an additional federal supplement to unemployment uh, in the, the CARES Act, which was passed three days ago. So Hawaii unemployment normally caps out depending on what your uh, rate of pay was. It caps out at $648 um, per week. What the federal um, supplemental unemployment insurance does is it adds an additional $600 per week to the employee. What that will effectively do for a number of employees is take them to close to 100% of their pay or in some instances above what they previously would have been paid. So if you are a business or an employer thinking about um, you know, balancing the struggles that, that everyone individually is certainly facing versus balancing the struggles of uh, the business and maintaining being able to pay rent um, and you know, keeping the doors open to the business, um, you might want to take into account that uh, employees, at least through the end of July or through the end of July, will get this supplement from the federal government, provided that Hawaii essentially in, enters into an agreement with the federal government, which is expected, um, that they will be covered for virtually the full amount of their pay. Um, if they are laid off, however, um, there would be an issue of whether they would be covered by COBRA or health insurance or that sort of thing. So you would need to take that into account as well. Um, the other thing that has been widely publicized is the individual payments, um, just going out to individuals, um, the $1,200 per individual and the $500 to, uh, for children. So that's another way in which the federal government is helping try to tie people over during this time period. Uh, one of the questions uh, we've been getting a lot is uh, the situation where employers are, um, have, have high payroll overhead and are having difficulty meeting that um, and uh, have essentially no other choice but to, to lay off uh, employees. Um, and what I think we're seeing in this is during the time period that an employer just cannot keep those employees on and is waiting for the PPP loan to be processed and approved, 
then that might be a time period where an employer um, has employees who are on unemployment getting those supplemental employment benefits. Um, but as soon as that PPP is approved, then at that point, the employer can and should bring everyone back. And uh, if you bring everyone back at uh, 100% or 75 to 100% of pay, the PPP loan slash grant, it adds, um, it, it doesn't just cover payroll, but in certain circumstances can cover both payroll for those eight weeks and an additional portion of rent. Uh, in some cases, it will be a substantial portion of uh, rent and utilities. So uh, while you will see in the news that the payroll protection program is stylized as uh, basically a payroll replacement. It is actually even more than that. It, it's intended, if used in some circumstances, to cover your full payroll for the eight weeks after you get the loan, um, as well as the um, uh, rents and utilities. Um, one other piece of clarification, and, and this is, has kind of been bounced around uh, amongst uh, some of the people reading the statute, is um, when you are counting the uh, amounts that are forgiven, um, it is the shorter of eight weeks after you get the loan uh, or the loan originates or June 30th. And the reason is that the permissible uses only go to June 30th, uh, whereas the, um, the forgiveness uh, obligations run eight weeks. So you have to satisfy both. So it's the shorter of eight weeks or June 30th. Um, I'll bounce it over to Stacy now, and then uh, if we have uh, a little bit of time after that, maybe we can answer some of the, the pressing questions that are coming in. Oh, Stace, unmute yourself. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Darren. Um, so I wanted to, um, as you know, as Darren and um, Jane mentioned the the CARES Act passed uh, last Friday made available the payroll protection program uh, loans or the P3 loans. Um, I, so I wanted to go over the differentiation, what differentiates the P3 loans from the other sources um, that were previously available. Um, so one, one of the main differences is, as Darren mentioned, it broadens the eligibility of the applicants. Um, so the in industry size standards that are, they're um, generally not applicable versus the idle loans that were previously made available. Um, the applicants do not need to exhaust other sources of credit prior to applying. No personal guarantee is required. No collateral is required. Um, and it's a term loan of up to 10 years if it's not forgiven with a low interest rate not to exceed 4%. There is no prepayment penalty. And one of the, uh, one of the, the downsides is unfortunately the, the law permits 60 days for loan approval. I know um, Jane had mentioned that the SBA is trying to expedite this. Um, the loans are 100% guaranteed by the SBA and issued directly by um, SBA 7A lenders. Uh, most Hawaii banks and credit unions are certified 7A lenders. 
Um, and this is important to know because the applications are going to be made um, and funded through the banks and credit unions and not directly with the SBA, unlike the, <coughs> the EIDL loans. Um, and as Darren mentioned, it's uh, eligible for forgiveness. Um, and what is needed for the application? Um, so just so you know, get ready. Um, as Jane mentioned, um, hopefully the, they'll be able to start taking applications as early as next week. So in the next week, um, start gathering your, your documentation to verify the number of full-time equivalent employees um, and each employee's pay rate. Um, also documentation to prove mortgage or lease or utility payments by cancel checks, proof of payment, account statements. And you will have to sign an attestation of truthfulness and accuracy. Um, another uh, feature that the CARES Act uh, um, made available is the lenders uh, must defer payments on the remaining balance of the unforgiven debt um, for at least six months or up to a year. Um, and finally, the loan forgiveness or the cancellation of debt income is not going to be included in the taxable income. Um, so the other, uh, I, I, the other sources of funding available, um, as, uh, as Jane had um, mentioned, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or the, or the EIDL, may provide a faster infusion of cash prior to receiving the P3 loan. However, um, as, as many of you probably uh, figured out, um, the, it's narrower eligibility than the P3 loans. Uh, credit history will be reviewed for the ability to repay. Um, the uh, applicant must meet the SBA's industry-based um, industry size standards uh, requirements for the, for the applicable industry codes. Um, the borrower must exhaust other sources of borrowing first. Uh, the maximum loan amount is $2 million. Um, it, is in, it will cover payroll, fixed debts, and accounts payable. Um, it's a very low interest loan, 3.75 for small businesses and 2.75% for nonprofits. Um, it's a longer term of 30 years and um, 10,000 of uh, the loan is, forgi is forgivable as an emergency advance and does not have to be repaid even if the applicant is denied. Um, and unlike with the P3 loans, the apl application is made directly to the SBA. So the process of applying for the, um, the EIDL loan, um, as Jane mentioned, the, uh, the SBA website has crashed several times since these, since these loans were made available. Um, the SBA has increased the capacity of the website over the weekend. However, I know um, as of last week, they were recommending that the applicants download the application forms by PDF and uploading the completed application forms to the site, sending it by mail, email, or fax to the, to the SBA. Um, the application forms, I believe, are also going to be made available in the links uh, we share with our participants. Um, the application forms are relatively streamlined and include a two-page loan application that just um, gathers your business information, schedule of uh, liabilities, a personal financial statement for any owner of more than 20% of the business and any managing member or general partner. Um, and the personal financial statement, of course, is not applicable for nonprofits. Um, your monthly sales figures for the past three years through current and a tax return or uh, transfer. Uh, and I'm, as uh, I think I mentioned earlier, that the ten, there's a $10,000 uh, emergency, emergency advance available for applicants, uh, which is forgiven even if the application is ultimately denied. <clears throat> um, 
Also made available with the CARES Act is the emergency um, idle grant. Uh, is an option for the self-employed individuals with or without employees or independent contractors. Um, similar to the emergency idle advance, um, the grant is, is up to $10,000 um, and it can be used for providing sick leave to employees directly affected by COVID-19, payroll costs, uh, meaning increased costs due to interrupted su supply chains, rent or mortgage payments, and repaying obligations that, obligations that cannot be met due to revenue losses. There is no personal guarantee for the grant, um, and it's available for any business in operation prior to January 31 of this year. <clears throat> uh, the approval may be based solely on the credit score of the applicant, and the tax return um, transcript may not be required. Um, finally, another source of funding um, that has been available is uh, called the Express Bridge Loan, um, and it can be used to cover expenses while the, um, the PPP loan or the idle applications are being processed. Um, so the Express Bridge Loan is issued by, the, by an SBA Express lender um, to eligible small businesses with which the business had an existing banking relationship with on or before the, the date of the disaster. Um, it's up to $25,000, um, and it's a term loan of up to seven years. Uh, the lender can charge a, a rate of up to 6.5% over the prime rate, in addition to a limited amount of loan fees. It's, there is no collateral, it's unsecured, and it's um, also subject to the lender's typical underwriting processes. Um, the proceeds must be used exclusive, exclusively for the um, working capital to support the survival and or reopening of the small business. So um, I think with all of these tools, um, with the, you know, with the length of the, the application and approval process, um, if you use a combination of these, I believe you can have up to $35,000 to keep you, <coughs> um, keep your, your operations up and running for, um, while you're waiting for the PPP or, and or idle loans to be approved. So I think that's uh, that's that with um, with the different sources of funding available with the disaster loan and the P three P three loans. Get turn it back um, to. So why don't we're getting a number of questions in, and they seem to have fairly thematic elements to them. So bear with us a second. We'll try to answer uh, as many of them um, as as possible uh, as they roll in. Um, and uh, Stacy will be looking at them while I'm talking and then while she talks, then I'll take a look at some of the questions. Um, so the first set of questions was related to who is eligible. Um, and uh, because SBA loans previously were only available to um, small businesses uh, with um, fairly strict rules. So those have been relaxed significantly. So for the 501c3s, the nonprofits uh, of that status out there who were not previously able to get SBA type of loans, the PPP program applies to you. That includes schools that are 501c3s, that includes other nonprofits, et cetera. Um, so that's in addition to the businesses uh, out there, you know, the, the regular businesses with em employees for profit. The other thing that is covered are independent contractors and sole proprietors. So there are 
uh, specific rules um, on how to calculate what your loan amounts are since you're not paid as an employee necessarily. Uh, but the, the short answer is that sole proprietors or, or folks who have businesses that are organized in a way where it's just one or two people and you take a draw and that sort of thing, um, you, you are eligible or potentially, el potentially eligible for the PPP um, loans slash grants. Um, one other question that came in is whether uh, businesses that don't have a full one-year look back on determining what is two and a half times your average payroll, uh, whether those businesses are eligible. Uh, they are. So um, there are also specific rules for newer businesses as to how you would calculate what two and a half times your prior uh, payroll is. Um, and I would, I would refer back to the um, to the, the memo that we will have posted and that has been uh, circulated to some, uh, to some degree on exactly how that works. Um, another question that rolled in uh, relates to, um, is it okay to furlough uh, employees, um, essentially have them not working but getting uh, healthcare benefits uh, while collecting unemployment to take uh, advantage of the unemployment uh, subsidies that the federal government is providing. Uh, that is a strategy that will work for uh, a number of number of businesses. Um, one other question that I see up here and that we've been talking about at some great length recently is how this uh, applies for PEO businesses. So those of you who are with the various PEOs out there, whether it's ProService, Altris, Mackay, Hawaii HR, whatever, um, uh, there were previously affiliation rules um, prior to this law that talked about whether in counting, if you're under 500 employees, whether you have to count all the entities that are connected in that way or not. And those uh, rules by the SBA, uh, they, they suggest um, that if you are you know, a 10 person restaurant, but you happen to be using a PEO that has in total 5,000, that should not count against you. So you should still qualify under the PPP program because the intent of the program was to help uh, throughout the country by infusing this cash as fast as possible to them. So if you eliminated PEOs from that mix, you would eliminate thousands and thousands of employees and businesses and it would be counterproductive to the act. So while it's not exactly addressed, in the uh, CARES Act, um, we, we think that it is very highly likely that all you PEO businesses should be included um, uh, for purposes of being eligible. Um, one of the other questions uh, relates to calculating uh, what your um, 
two and a half months of average uh, payroll previously was. Um, there is a cap of $100,000 per employee. So uh, if you are, if you have three employees, um, you know, and looking backwards, um, and two of them were at $50,000 and one of them was at $200,000, the one that's at $200,000, you're only allowed to count $100,000 of that uh, payroll amount toward uh, what your previous payroll and therefore max loan amount is. So in that case where there's three employees, two at 50 grand, one at 200, um, you would only be able to count uh, to count 200,000, not, uh, not the total of uh, 300,000. Um, uh, one other question was, can you apply for the disaster loan, the EIDL and PPP? The answer is yes. Um, you can always, uh, if, if it turns out that your PPP loan is processed faster than your IDL loan, you can always decline the IDL loan. Um, and if you do get an IDL, um, basically whatever is overlapping between that and your PPP gets subtracted from your PPP. So you can't double dip, but you are not excluded from a PPP simply because you got an uh, IDL loan. Um, Just to mention, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, um, go ahead. There have been questions about the process as well as can you apply for both? And the thing to remember is the EIDL loan is the web-based application. Yes, I've seen people saying, oh, it doesn't work. Last week, it was miserable. Right now, as I've said, we've expanded that and it is getting a lot better reception. It's a lot cleaner. And some of the criteria has been simplified also. The, there is um, bullet lists that you just check to go through your eligibility. It's much cleaner, it's much clearer. You can go in and apply for the IDL and the IDL Advance online now. Um, and that's going much, much better. The PPP loans, We'll probably have information, more information for you on that process by the end of the week. That will be different and you will go to your local bank. Whoever you bank with is where you will make that application. Their application process is different, but then even if you get approved for both of them or a combination, uh, you'll, it will be packaged together and you'll have some options to amend applications as the approvals come through. So. Economic Injury Disaster Loan is online and available now. PPP is the rules and regulations, the information on affiliation, the information to give you the guidance is all being developed and really clarified right now. And we hope to have that later this week and have the loans up and ready to go, hopefully as early as next week. Yeah, Jane, I think that's really helpful because uh, obviously, around the country and including in, in Hawaii, um, there's just a flood of, of businesses, you know, rushing to take advantage of these uh, sort of lifelines. And so now, at least, uh, the SBA has the support of the various banks 
uh, around town that they will be processing and using their resources so that these PPP loans uh, can hopefully be, be processed in, in really uh, expeditious time. Right. And we will be, SBA is working with a lot of these lenders this week to help them kind of set up their intake procedures to work with their customers who are asking them questions and also to kind of give them some guidelines of how they will arrange intake for those loans. So you could even reach out, you know, as you're preparing some of these things that Stacy mentioned, some of the things that Darren mentioned, also reach out and tell your banker you are, you know, you will be applying, you intend to apply, see if they have any recommendations for you as well. But that is, you know, take this time to think it through, to start to prepare um, the documents that you'll need or your banker will want from you. Yes, yeah, Stacy, do you want to take some of the questions and then I'll, I'll look at what other questions have popped up? So one of the questions was, do we count the employer portion of the payroll taxes in the calculation of the, of the PPP maximum loan amount? And the answer is yes. Um, let me see. And uh, I have seen this question a lot. Is the 100,000 um, limitation on the salary cap per month or annually? And that's annually, not per month. Um, let me see. While you're doing that, let me let me highlight one other um, sort of way of help for employers. Uh, you know, for a lot of the businesses, the revenue has dried up so extremely that even just covering payroll costs is not enough. It, you you can't float the business even if the federal government floats all of your payroll. Um, in that circumstance, uh, the lifeline that's provided by the PPP. Uh, allows you to, to essentially to do this. So once um, you get your PPP loan in the full amount, which is two and a half months of your prior payroll when everyone was working full blast, um, you bring everyone back, um, but you have the option to bring them back not at 100%. You can bring them back at 75% of pay. In that instance, the, your payroll should be covered in its entirety by a portion and not the whole thing of your PPP loan slash grant. And you will still be satisfying the forgiveness provisions to their full extent. So again, you bring everyone back and you have them at something less than 100%, but not, uh, but not reduced by below 75 um, and that extra amount of money for your PPP that you have uh, saved because you have covered payroll completely for that eight weeks, but still have money left over, that can go to, um, the big one would be rent, including under a lease agreement. It can also go to pay utilities uh, during that, that uh, period. Uh, and it can also go to mortgage interest and group health insurance costs. So your payments to HMSA to cover group health insurance costs. And then finally, if there is some interest on some pre-existing debt obligation, you would be able to use it for that too. 
So again, um, you know, everyone has their own individual circumstance, but don't think of the PPP as solely a payroll replacement. It has the potential to do more than that and to cover both payroll and the, the big one would be a portion of, of rent. And yeah, I think would also be where you could look at um, bringing in an economic injury disaster loan at that 3.75% interest and extend the payments over a 30-year period. Again, not claiming for the exact same cost covered by your idle, but other additional costs that are necessary to keep your business operating and expenses you could have paid if this pandemic had not occurred. I think a lot of the confusion too with the um, the sizing of the PPP loan is that it only looks at payroll costs, uh, two and a half times payroll costs. Um, so that's how the loan is sized, but it, the, it, the proceeds can be used for other than just payroll, just to kind of reiterate what Darren said. Yeah, um, and so again, I would, I would encourage, because this is sort of a fire hose of information we've been Trying to, trying to download it all into our brains over the past two days. Um, we've tried to synthesize this information into as usable as possible a, a written memo. So that memo is, uh, we'll, we'll post the link to that and, and try to, to get it out. Right now we're housing it on a, on a Google Drive um, uh, so that as, we need to, if we make updates or that sort of thing, we can update it and keep it in the Google Drive. The other thing we've done is we've included the SBA applications in that drive. So for those of you who have, um, are having trouble with the website or um, you know, want another means to, uh, to submit your loans, you can download um, from, from the link that we provide. You can pull the application there and then either fax it in or email it in um, or, or that sort of thing. Um, I should add one other, since we have a, a sec, there, one of the questions relates to, well, what happens if, you know, under a PPP, I don't have you know, I'm still not going to bring back enough people so that the forgiveness portion is worth it. And I don't want to end up taking, um, taking out this, uh, this loan. And so one other uh, kind of piece that's out there that, that hasn't really been talked about um, very much in the last few days is called an employee retention credit. And so another piece of the CARES Act is the employee retention credit, which says that you can take a credit um, for 50% uh, of the wages um, of an employee up to $10,000 of their wages. And that credit is, is essentially taken against social security taxes. Uh, it gets a little bit into the weeds. So there's a different treatment for uh, businesses under 100 full-time employees and businesses that have more than 100 full-time employees. So if it's a business that
that is less than 100 full-time employees, and you can take the credit um, for all employees um, uh, who are uh, eligible versus if they're over 100 full-time employees, you're only allowed to take the credit for employees who are paid but not working. So uh, it's more restrictive for the larger businesses with more than 100 employees um, in saying that you can only take this 50% um, credit uh, for employees paid uh, and not working. Uh, and that credit extends further than the PPP. Um, so that credit extends out until December 31st of, uh, of this year. Um, the, the requirement, uh, I'm sorry, the additional requirement or the threshold requirement is that it implies to uh, businesses whose operations were fully or partially suspended due to uh, the COVID government a COVID-19 government mandated shutdown order, or if your gross receipts declined by more than 50% compared to the prior quarter. So this is applicable again to businesses who are fully or partially suspended uh, due to COVID, or if your gross receipts declined by more than 50% compared to the prior quarter. Stacey, are there uh, other questions that you wanted to take or Jane? So one of the questions I see is that um, the idle grant is a loan or a grant that does not re require repayment and it is a grant that, it is a grant, it's not a loan. So it will not um, be required to be repaid. And that's unheard of from SBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, um, you know, in, in the sort of limited time we have while, while you guys sort through it, um, uh, maybe I should try and summarize in terms of, uh, you know, again, you're asking what should what should we do? So again, the question comes back to, are we gonna keep or rehire the employees right away? Are we gonna put them on leave or are we going to lay off or have layoff and allow them to get unemployment? If you're going down this path, which many of you will, of the PPP, then um, you know, the steps would be, again, to be in communication with your bank, look for updates on when the applications are available, and to pull together in the meantime so that you're ready to go, to pull together the documents that are gonna be necessary. These applications are gonna be streamlined, but you still need to, that documentation. And for some of you, it's hard to get because you're stuck at home and you're not actually supposed to um, go out. Um, the documentation specifically, again, is documentation to verify the number of full-time equivalent employees and each employee's pay rate because, you, because they need to know how many employees you had and what their pay rates were to know um, whether it's fully forgiven or going to be reduced. Um, and that is through payroll tax filings uh, or unemployment insurance filings. Um, 
Uh, the other thing you need is documentation of mortgage, lease, or utility payments. So to the extent that you're going to use it to, for utility payments or mortgage interests or to pay for a lease, uh, you need proof of that stuff. So canceled checks, payment receipts, um, account statements, those types of things. Um, uh, and you will need an attestation of the truthfulness or accuracy of, of all of that uh, information. So um, keep in contact with your banks uh, and look for the updates and pull together, uh, together that information in the time. Um, in terms of, for those of you uh, who have more specific questions than what the written will cover or what we're talking about uh, in this webinar or in some of the subsequent webinars where we'll try to answer questions, uh, many of you will need to talk to your um, accountant or, or lawyer. Um, and for those of you that um, cannot or do not have one or cannot afford it, um, um, you know, feel free to try and reach out to me and I will answer uh, questions the best that I'm able to uh, on a pro bono basis. Um, as you can probably tell, uh, the volume is, is incredibly high, but to the extent that I am able to, to answer your questions uh, and, and help you get through this period, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to do so. So, uh, Stacy. I just to supplement what, what Darren had mentioned about, um, you know, the, the difficult decision that you guys are all facing about uh, laying off your employees and carrying the payroll. Just remember that there are options available through the IDLE grant and, uh, and potentially the Express Bridge loan. So I would uh, definitely reach out to your banks to see if you qualify for any of those to hold you over um, during, the, uh, during the period that your loan applications are still being reviewed. And I think it's probably uh, worthwhile to mention the deadline for each of the different programs. The, the PPP, even though it's coming out a little bit later, um, those loan applications will be open until June 30th, 2020. IDLES will be open until December 2020. So you do have some time to position them, look at what they are, see if you're, see, apply for all of them and you still have time to again, amend, renegotiate, accept that uh, $10,000 advance, play that against the other programs as well. So it's, it's important to start looking at them, getting your information together and seeing how best to position your company. Yeah, and particularly with the PPP, the sooner the better, because again, uh, under the statute, the uh, permissible uses of a PPP um, loan uh, only extend to June 30th. So you have, it has to be used for payroll, rent, etc. in the time period before June 30th. So if you get the loan, you know, on June 25th, um, you're going to have, you know, stuck. So uh, the earlier you get it in, uh, you know, uh, again, the, the SBA and the banks are moving as fast as they can. So Presumably, if you get a loan and it's uh, approved by, say, the end of April and it's, you know, money in hand, that, that gives you adequate time to cover payroll, rent, et cetera. 
But if you were to get that loan deep into June, it's not going to be that useful to you in terms of uh, in terms of what it's used for. There's a comment um, from one of the um, listeners that what are what are your thoughts on using the, an equity line of credit until the PPP gets approved? And I think that's um, that's a good idea. I mean, I, I think unfortunately that might be the reality of um, that's just the timing of everything. The expenses that qualify for um, use of the PPP, are, the measurement period is going to be um, uh, an eight-week period between uh, February 15th and June 30th. And so if your PPP gets approved after June 30th, you'll have to, you, you, you very, may, very well may need to use a line of credit to float some of your business expenditures. Yeah, and you will be able to still get a PPP even if you have other lines of other lines of credit. So um, I guess we're, we're getting toward the end. So sh we should wrap up with some logistics. Um, you know, not just us, but uh, many of the other accountants, employment lawyers, et cetera, around town are, um, you know, doing their best to get this information out to you and other people. Our goal is simply to get this information into the hands of business owners so that you can carry your businesses through this difficult time uh, and get out the other side. So the more widely we can get this out, um, sort of helping each other out, the better. To that end, from, from at least uh, this group, um, we intend to have regular updates um, in terms of uh, what's happening with uh, uh, SBA getting things set up with the banks, or if there are questions that come in from a bunch of people that are best or easily answered through this webinar format. So we will be uh, getting the word out for, um, for other uh, sort of webinars. Uh, the last thing I would add is um, there are certain industry groups that have large subsets of, uh, of employer or business clients. So to the extent that you have a, a large subset that is, uh, has idiosyncratic needs, so has, is a particular industry, so you have questions that differ from other industries, and feel free to reach out to us because maybe we can just set something up um, to, that, is, that is targeted uh, specifically for your group. Okay, go, go ahead, Evan. I was gonna say, you wanna wrap it up then? And then- Yeah, I think so. what we can do too is we'll compile all of these um, questions because some of them you know, overlap and so on, give us a little bit of time to digest it and also consult with um, other experts as well. And then we will try to do this as timely as possible. We are recording this, so we will get that up later on um, tonight you know, hopefully without any kind of um, technical difficulties and so on. And we will be pushing out info as we possibly can. So the, the email address that's in here, that's questions at braingainhi.com. That's kind of our triage. If you want to send stuff into there, then we know who to forward that to as well. Um, and then we will keep you all updated as well as on social and email, which is where some of you may have came across this to um, be able to, you know, get, get these thing, the info out to you in a timely manner. Because things are changing by the hour, so we will try to get it out to you as, as soon as we possibly can, okay? Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah.